You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 136 National Home Doctor Service. 136 is Australia's largest network of home visiting doctors. So if you need urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. Do you have a question for Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue? She's had over 30 years' experience. She's an author. She travels around Sydney checking in with families from new families with one baby to families who have toddlers and babies, and then the mix goes on. Am I right, Chris? Absolutely. <laughs> so she's here to answer your questions, whatever they might be, settling, feeding, trying to get siblings to get along. That's what I need her for. If you just want that advice, give us a call. The number's one 800 You can also text us on 0437-665-200. That number again is one 800 Radio. although we do have quite a few questions from our text and email, Chris, this morning. Perfect. So let's start with, I'm going to say it's LMA or Lamar. Yeah. Um, what age do toddlers drop their day sleep? My two and a half year old will not have a day sleep at home. At kindy, she goes to sleep easily. If she's had a day sleep, she'll take a long time to fall asleep at night. Is that a sign she's able to drop the day sleep? Absolutely. So around two and a half is when most toddlers start not needing as much sleep and you see it with those classic signs that you see. So more difficult to get to sleep during the day and then if they do have a sleep, really difficult, like up to nine, nine thirty before they'll go to sleep. Um, at night. So the first thing is we need to all be on page and lots and lots of people will contact me because the daycare can get them to get sleep but I can't and that's because the daycare, everyone's going to sleep. They darken the room, they lay down, some of them will go along and pat the children um, and also the children are much busier at daycare, you know there's something going on but generally once you've made the decision to um, take away their sleep, they need to take it away in all sleeps across the day. Otherwise, it's a bit like a jet lag effect. So once you've made that decision that life will be a little bit calmer because you're taking the sleep away, they'll go back to going to sleep very easily for you around the 7 o'clock, 7.30 window and sleeping through till the morning without waking up, then we need to inform the daycare, the preschooler, the carer, that we're now doing that and you'd like the child to either sit and read when everybody else might be sleeping. And lots of people have difficulty with this, but it is, you know, as long as the behaviour that you're asking is reasonable for the child's age, a general daycare carer will follow along with that um, mm-hmm. reasonably. So give yourself about a week. You might have a few tantrums around five o'clock. So patience, patience and more patience. But it does actually work. And some children, I uh, just between one and two, I say, how about you lay down on the couch and we'll have a rest. They may not go to sleep, but it just quietens them for a little bit and, and gets them a little bit rested. And they'll do that for a little while. And then suddenly that won't work. And they're just up and going for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> LMA's just suddenly gone, oh, I don't know if I agree with this now. It's better uh, than nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We've also got a question from Sam in Glenfield, New South Wales. Yes. How do I stop my two-year-old daughter hitting us and her older brother? She does it often when she doesn't get her way and we'd love some tips to stop the boxing. Yeah, so 
So being physical, a child being physical, I think is one of those things that the child has to understand that we do not do that. And it often starts with a playful hit is what I would call it. Like you might be playfully playing with them and they just swing out and hit you. And we need to understand there's that version. And then sometimes that behavior can turn into a deliberate and intentional hit. It can be a bite. It can be a kick any of the above are physical and we need to give them a clear message that there's no hitting, there's no biting, there's no kicking unless you're into that. So <laughs> generally speaking, most children will hit you in that age, that two-year-old rage, when you're trying to stop them from doing something. So you might um, be taking something away from them. You might be picking them up to move them, like saying we're going to the bath now and they've been playing and they lash out and they hit you across the head and it hurts. So if you've got them in your arms and they hit, I would put them straight down on the floor, get down on eye level and say to them, we do not hit. And then I would walk away for a few minutes, a little bit of time out for everybody. And then I'd just go back and say, there's no hitting. And then I'd just distract them into something else like walking them to the bath or back into play if that's the case. So that one's an easy one to do at home. It needs to be completely agreed on with the parents. So if there's been lots of hitting with mum that day, then maybe sitting down quietly later and saying there is no hitting with both mum and dad there just gives them a very clear message that this does not happen in our family. That's typically what happens and with age it goes away. When there's hitting in regards to in a playground or you're out in a social setting, I think you um, most parents understand that kids do that. That's the first thing, hitting, biting and kicking. Second thing is they need to see that you're doing something about it. So if you're ignoring your child hitting another child or biting or you just sort of dismiss it as childhood playground stuff, then I think parents get really upset with that. So if my child bit your child or hit your child, I would go over and make sure your child was okay and apologise to the parent. And then I would probably, in my case, I would probably say, we do not hit. And I would take them home from the park as a, as a form of discipline. So I'd say, well, if we can't play, I would go home. Because I want that message to come through that it is totally unacceptable for hitting, biting and kicking. So just giving them a hug and saying we don't hit or kick or bite is not enough. That's in the same level as you've fallen over. So how do they d differentiate between those behaviours? So in my case at a park, I would either give them time out if you've got lots of kids there parking, uh, I mean playing, um, or I would take them home. I'm very good at you're just going following home. through. Yeah, I'm really good at following through. If I've said it, don't say anything you're not prepared to follow through on. Yeah, that yeah. is such good advice. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. The number to call is 1800 543 772. That's 1800 Kids Radio. Or you can send us a text as we have many of those at the moment. It's 0437 665 This one's from Alex in New Farm, Queensland. Alex says, my three-year-old son refuses to share any of his toys with his younger sister or his friends. It's got to the point where we can't have friends over anymore because it ends in fighting and tantrums. What steps can we take to change this behaviour? Thanks. Well, here we go. <laughs> um, I tend to think about teaching children about their own personal space and their own personal belongings and the shared experience. So everything that's in the lounge room and the playroom is everybody's to share, but things that you might feel are important to that child that are personally theirs, they have in their room. 
So, for instance, say you have a three-year-old boy that loves Thomas the Tank Engine. He's got all the bits. He's got all the station bits. But unfortunately, he has an 18-month-old baby brother or sister who just likes to destroy train sets just because that's what they're there for. So I would probably say to that three-year-old, that's a very special toy for you. So let's set that up in your bedroom where it's safe and that our little toddler can't get into it. And when you want to play there, we will, you know, put a gate on the door if they feel they don't want the door shut. And we give them and teach them about personal space. That's your personal space. But at the same time, I teach them that the toys that are in the playroom are for everybody. And so if there was a toddler who was sitting quietly playing with something, a train set there, and the three-year-old comes in and just decides that's his, we need to actually talk to the three-year-old about that. So I think this is a bit about time and patience and following through. And if it's an important family value for you, it's worth putting the effort in. So just, you know, distracting him, saying actually when the other child is finished with it, you may have a turn. And as soon as that child's finished, I would say, okay, the train set's free. You can have a turn now. So I think it's that those bits of parenting where you have to plod through it and keep going. But I would teach him that if that is his personal favourite toy that we can put it in his room. When the friends come over, easy one. You say to him before they come, what are the things we need to put away so you don't want them to touch? That might be his favourite bike. And if there's one bike, it's always going to be hard anyway. So put the bike away. If it's the train set, put the train set away. So that it's a very clear message to the three-year-old. You know, if you don't want people to play with your toys, that's fine, it can be put away. But whatever's out at the time, we have to share. Good, good stuff. Okay, well, we hope that helps, Alex. Please feel free to write back if you have any more questions and good luck with your three-year-old son. We have a question from Jane Chris that says, what do you do when your six-month-old keeps rolling over in the cot onto their stomach and gets stuck there leading to screaming? Oh, okay, we teach them independently to sleep on their front because that's what they're doing. So this is where it gets very confusing because in the early weeks we sleep our babies in safe sleep positions, which is they sleep on their back. Um, But as they get older, they move around, they move backwards like caterpillars and they roll over on their side and then they roll over on their front. And so once they roll over on their front, they get stuck, exactly what you're doing. And the more we go in and keep rolling them over and rolling them over, the more they will need you to roll them back onto their back. So once they're safely sleeping on their front or their side, so at this point we're probably now in a sleeping bag, the warm might the room might be a little bit warmer and we've probably taken the blankets out, then if they get on their front and that's naturally how they're going, then we gently just help them to learn to sleep on their front. So we might pat their bottom. Um, Most babies will actually roll to their side and and you predominantly find that sort of six-month age group through to 10 months tend to sleep on their side more comfortably but they'll flip on their front. So just helping them to sleep on their front is fine, but within a safe sleep space. So that being... And they definitely at six months have their arms free, right? Yeah, they do. So the babies who are still wrapped probably aren't rolling. You Mm. know, they're still, for whatever reason, yeah, they're laying there. Um, They just haven't developmentally got there because you can have little five-month-olders that are flipping all over their bed. So that's why we wear a sleeping bag because that's like the blanket that we carry all over the bed. Love them. Yeah, I might good old... my own sleeping bag. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
Look like penguins when they're trained walking around in them. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. If you'd like to call us, the number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. I've got a question from Monica. I think this might be from Facebook. It says, uh, my nearly one-year-old won't eat proper food. He just throws it. Mm. So I have to fill him up with mashed, nearly pureed food. How do I get him to eat? He's still breastfed and bottle of and has a bottle of formula at night. Stop giving him purees. It's, just, it's, it's, it's quite clearly, choice. yeah. So this one is just, I, he probably hasn't realised that, that what you're giving him is the finger food is the food because if I throw it on the floor uh, enough times, then you'll come at, back with what I perceive as being easier food. So in this case, I would get up in the morning and if you're trying to encourage him to independently eat, you might make him some toast with avocado. So you might have some toast fingers with avocado. And before you give him a breastfeed, I would give him breakfast. So he's actually hungry. So hopefully he will engage in the finger food. Um, at his age, depending on whether he's had eggs and whether you've tried eggs, it might be a hard-boiled egg that you might have cut up and let him use it as finger food. So giving him a very clear message about what is food and that this is the food. So that's one way of doing it. The other one is to do it in a social setting. So I would probably give him his breakfast first, an hour later give him his milk feed, whatever you might be doing. Then when he gets up from his morning sleep, give him a little snack in his hand like a piece of fruit or a mum-mum, something that's very easy for him. And then at lunch, try and sit down with him and eat lunch together because eating is a social thing. Um, It's not a solo act. It's just that that tends to be how it falls. So at lunchtime, both sit down together. Sit down with your bowl of veggies or your um, frittata that you've broken up or your sandwich that you've made and eat together. So he understands that that's the food that we're eating for that meal. And generally speaking, as long as you don't keep giving him the backup meal um, and don't be a short order cook for him, then you'll be okay. It'll Mm. turn itself around faster than you think. (coughs) Short order cook. That's what we are in our house. Short Um, order cooks. (laughs) We've got a question from Tom from Orange. He says, do you have any tips on following through? We're trying to teach our three-year-old that when he doesn't get what he wants and starts kicking and screaming, that is, he isn't going to get and he isn't going to get what he wants. It's starting to feel like an epic battle of the wills, and I am not winning. Yes. Oh, I hear you, Tom. <laughs> They're strong toddlers. They're like a little urban terrorist, aren't they? <laughs> Lovable in every way, but boy, when they go, they go. So I think that, Tom, really what you have to think about is not battling every single battle. So choose your battles. So I think just generally everyone will give you that advice. And follow through with whatever you've said. So if you've said no um, to another story, you have to mean no. And one of the reasons is you're battling him now at three because when he's 16, he'll be taller than you, Tom. (laughs) And he has to understand that no means no and no doesn't mean maybe or possibly. And your tip before about making sure it's a consequence that you will follow through on. Yeah, is really important. Yeah, and if I can say anything, Tom, my husband and I, why we're so bad at this, is that we will (laughs) give them consequences that neither of us want to follow through on. So rather than saying um, something that we might take away something, we'll say, okay, we're going to go home if you do this, and then we don't want to go home. Yeah, so don't say it. Make sure you say something that you is achievable and that you're happy to do. Absolutely, Mm. but... Not so much because sometimes, you know, when you said you're happy to do, you're writing that you have to be, you have to be following it through. But sometimes that's to the inconvenience of everybody because it makes the point. Yeah. 
So, you know, if your child's behaviour socially, so say you're out for a fun day, you've gone to a fun day to a park and you've got your lunch ready and your child's behaviour is so detrimental that no one's having fun, then I think we should pack up and leave. And I think you can, as parents, can explain to your other children or people around you, actually, you know what, this just isn't working for us today, so we're going to go now and we would love to see you later. And I think parents respect that because your child being out of control for whatever reason, whatever the issue might be, you know, didn't put the right thing on his sandwich or could be anything, (laughs) put the wrong shoes on him, is actually not making it right for everybody. So I think you're absolutely right. You have to mean it. You have to follow through. But sometimes you have to make that decision to the expense of everybody else. Mm. It's a tough one. It is tough, but it it means it. So he's kicking and thrashing because you took away something from him. Then what I would do is teach him skills about anger because that's what that is about. That's about anger. So let him explode, let him kick, shout, carry on. And then when he's very calm later that night, when you're sitting in bed, you just say, listen, mate, we've got to talk about this kicking We don't kick in our family and we don't yell in our family. And when you're angry, I understand you're angry, but you need to sit quietly. Mm. And we need to teach them that. And sometimes that's to our expense, you know. I hear. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure. That was Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. She'll be back next week from midday answering your questions. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 136 National Home Doctor Service. If you or a loved one needs urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. That's 137425 for a bulk build, after-hours doctor home visit. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.